0: Welcome in to a brand new week of the Tony Basilio Show. Uh, Tony B. on the Proud Papa Parade on his way back from Philadelphia uh, after witnessing son Anthony graduate from Penn last night. Congratulations to Anthony and congratulations to Laura for whatever she uh, contributed to make that possible. Um, Ivy Leaguer in the house. And so in Tony's absence today, it'll be... Roddy Boy Hartman. We'll have the great Matt Dixon. We'll have Evan Russell along in the second hour. And hopefully, you as we celebrate Tennessee winning uh, yet another SEC series uh, on this uh, good second half run uh, that they're, they're putting forward uh, so far. Uh, we've got one more series left, and then we'll go into postseason. So uh, make sure and hang around and join us by phone. Uh, when we continue on the other side with the Tony Basilio Show.
1: Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones.
8: Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and Friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM.
7: You got to know.
9: Spend a very special evening with The Gambler. The The timeless music of Kenny Rogers, performed by Justin Sullivan and his seven piece Real Deal band. Many have said this is the best tribute show of its kind. Hear all your Kenny Rogers favorites Lucille, Lady, She Believes in Me, Coward of the County. Everyone considered him the coward. Saturday, May 20th, 7 p.m., at the legendary Crockett Theater in Lawrenceburg. Tickets begin at only $16. Yes, an evening with the gambler and the real deal band. Saturday evening, May 20th at 7. For more information, log on to crockettheater.com. Crocketttheater.com. We'll see you there. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Pace Truck hits the pit lane,
11: gets out of the way, and they get ready for the green flag.
9: Heads up Highway 421. Dick Sanchez outside row one, Carson Hosabaro, and they're going to him up going into turn number three. For the return to North Wilkesboro.
11: Grant and Finger to the line, and with the win, as the checkered flag goes in the air. It's
9: the Tyson 250.
8: Saturday, May 20th at noon on WKOM 101.7 FM.
4: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
0: And we welcome you back. Monday edition, Tony Basilio Show, in a brand new week. Uh, Tony's completing the trek to Philadelphia to see son Anthony graduate from Penn, and in a few days, he'll see daughter Kaylee uh, receive her engineering degree from the University of Tennessee, so... It's an exciting time for the Basilios, and we celebrate uh, that with them and with all the graduates and their families throughout the listening area. Congratulations! It's it is a it is a remarkable step. Uh, so, in Tony's absence, uh, we'll have the show stalwart Brian Hartman, Cilio Networks All Sports expert Matt Dixon, and just plain Bino with you for the next two hours, taking your calls, talking all things Tennessee and sports in general. Uh, we'll be joined in hour two. By Evan Russell, brought to you by TLD Logistics to get his usual solid commentary on what we witnessed during a successful series versus Kentucky over the weekend at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Now li- listen and believe this. This is the International Geophysical Day of the Caller. If you're interested and kind enough to call 865-200-5402, we will pick up the phone and get you on here. Uh, I love talking to uh, Brian and Matt, but uh, not exclusively. Uh, and even during E.R.'s second hour, he'll be on for twelve to one. That's all we're doing today, two hours. So jump in there. I want it to be, I want it to be caller-driven as well. We'll throw out a few warm-up pitches for Evan to crush, and after that, he's all yours if you choose to participate. Uh, before I bring in Brian and Matt, uh, I'll throw out one suggested topic. One suggested topic of the day to supplement what I expect to be a mostly Tennessee baseball banner kind of day on here. Uh, as a youngster and a young man, uh, I was a Celtic fan uh, almost, if not every bit at sequel uh, in, in that realm. And I don't know if it was because of my intense hatred of the Red Sox and the Patriots that made me toss away the Celtics with the other new England raff, or if I just lost my passion for the post bird magic michael nba uh, but for whatever reason it's the only team of my youth that i've ever tossed away and i just wondered it, it, my question for you is is there a team or a sport that you once followed intensely that you just gave up and kind of the the reasons why other things uh, nba conference finals are set uh, the lady boss completed the sec sweep winning both the regular and the SEC tournament uh, titles, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, whatever else is on your mind. It's all fair game, and you can talk any or all of that with us at 865-200-5402. Bryony, uh, welcome in, brand new week, and congratulations on your Celtics. That was quite the victory yesterday.
1: Well, I want to congratulate and echo you on congratulating young Anthony on his getting his degree from an Ivy League school like Penn. That's a tremendous accomplishment, and that is not easy. That is exclusive, and not everybody – More, a lot more people, you know, have have degrees from a school like the University of Tennessee than they do Penn. And I'm not knocking anyone who's got a UT degree, but a Penn degree, an Ivy League degree, is another level.
0: Yeah, it's no question. It's quite the accomplishment. And uh, uh, just uh, to, to all the graduates out there, as we said uh, – congratulations on on a terrific achievement uh matt uh, it's great great to see you i uh, got it got had the pleasure of spending a little time with you on friday uh at, at your uh, media post there uh, under the tent on the third base side uh, first base side at uh, lindsey nelson stadium uh just uh your overall thoughts uh on on what you saw over the
12: weekend well, you won. You won the series, which was key. Um, obviously, it didn't end very well yesterday, but uh, you know, you got got the win. Got you know, just really won those games in the first couple of innings with with big leads. Uh, um, so that, that that was key. Um, it Would have been nice to to get the sweep yesterday, but obviously, it didn't go their way there. Um, gets you to four, fourteen league wins, which historically is good enough to get in the tournament. Obviously, they have at least four more games left, so. They need they need to win at least one at South Carolina um, to, to feel comfortable if you, if you were to somehow win two down there which would double your your road wins for the season um, that would put you back in and to potentially host uh, I would probably put that a you know odds not looking in that their favor there but I uh, took two out of three got some guys going Zane Denton finally got going um, you know drew beam struggling was is obviously not a good sign again and then I'll, and jared dickey getting hurt and missing sunday's game is is kind of a big loss because he's been by far your best hitter in league play and for the season um and is a pretty decent left fielder so that you know but overall it was a good weekend and you took care of business at home
0: uh matt just to, to further along uh the jared dickey line um in in watching um tony vitello yesterday in the post-game interview Uh, His commentary on it was that it was soreness, general soreness that kept him out. They seem to believe uh, that he will be okay going forward. Uh, But it's extremely important for Tennessee baseball that he is. I can't think of anyone else that you could take out that would more negatively impact Tennessee's uh, opportunities going forward than if Jared Dickey's not in the lineup.
12: No, it's yeah, definitely the the key player, um, especially with Burke struggling. Who you know hits right behind him in, in the order. So yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it's something that's gonna. I mean, it'll probably linger the rest of the year, but I, it, it won't keep him off the field. I'd I'd be stunned if he plays Tuesday against Belmont, and they they might even hold him out at least in the field for for this upcoming weekend at South Carolina. Um, but no, they definitely need at, at the absolute least they need his bat um, hitting third in, in their order um, for the postseason. so that's that's definitely something to to monitor and ho- hopefully it's you know nothing too serious and the, the soreness goes down and they can get him back at least swinging the bat a little bit. I, I know you're not going to say this Matt, but
0: but I will. Uh, that was a really gritty, good, kentucky baseball team that we saw uh that that's basically been totally remade uh and and yet is a really really good baseball team uh uh, a guy that i have uh, a lot a tremendous amount of respect for his baseball knowledge and, and his opinions told me uh that he doesn't understand uh why they want to be quite so gimmicky uh, because he thinks they're plenty good enough on their own merits. Uh, now, our early leads, uh, our, our big early leads in both games, kind of took away some of the stuff we had heard uh, that they do. Uh, but they they do run uh, wild out there, uh, and and I'm I'm not sure that's the smartest way to approach the game. No, it, it it's not,
12: and they they ran into. They got thrown out trying to steal it twice and picked off, I think, at least three other times over the weekend. Um, really, through two games, Tennessee had played small ball better than Kentucky, which was interesting. But, no, they've got – I mean, I think they hit eight home runs for the weekend. They it entered the – had had 17 in league play in, what, 24 games coming in. Um, so they, 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 they played to their park maybe a little too much, but, no, it's a – a really good lineup just up and down the, the leadoff hitter that jack jackson gray was originally a pitcher at a division three school in chicago who went, wound up at, at western kentucky and then transferred to kentucky I mean, that he might be the best leadoff hitter in the league i mean just ev- just every at- bat that guy has is you know you're getting his best so that you know they have have some impressive hitters and then they really kind of showcase that on sunday um you know just just Putting it on Tennessee and, and running it up there after after the the delay, so that's that's a team that if if you get them and if they get put in the right regional, whether they host, if they especially if they host, that that's a team that maybe they could make their second Super Regional ever.
1: You know, uh, Kentucky's the only SEC team that's never the only SEC program to never make a Omaha. Is that right?
12: It, is that Kentucky? Believe, yeah. Yes. Wow. And they've only made the super
0: regionals once. Brian, you you texted uh, some uh, some revised RPI information. Uh, when you have a chance, throw that out there, please. If you have that in front of you, if not, I'll go back to Matt and uh, and we'll give you time to find it.
1: Yeah. First of all, we got Philly on hold. So do you want to go to the phones? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Let's get Philadelphia. Let's in. try this here. What's up, Delphi?
1: What do you
13: say, but, you know, O'Brien and uh, Dixie?
0: Good morning, Philadelphia. Thanks for joining. Good to have
13: you. Well, don't, don't give Kentucky too much uh, credit. I, I can't stand
0: Kentucky. <laughs> well, I, I knew Matt wouldn't, and I didn't know you were online, but if I had, I'd have known you wouldn't. So somebody has to, Phil, and I, I guess I'm well, the, I'm the Huckleberry. Kentucky will never do nothing
13: in baseball. Just, I mean, that's just what they are. Hey, they're not doing anything in basketball
0: now. <laughs> pretty cool, you know? he never gets on taking some shots in Kentucky, I'll say that. Yeah, and
13: the best thing they got going is Levis over at the Titans now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well,
0: I'm happy he's there too.
13: <laughs> I bet y'all guys are uh, starting pitching. Uh, even the bullpen was kind of a. Uh,
0: uh, it, it, it's very concerning going into postseason here. Well, Matt, I, I thought I thought both Nolan Bo and Lindsay had good starts, but it it is a concern. The last two starts that we've seen from Beam, who up until that point had been our most consistent uh, starter.
12: Yeah, and, and this one was at home and just got just got shelled again. Um, I kind of know what happened to him last year. He kind of just wore down there towards the end. Um, with it, and it was his first year, your first season in like three years, um, after Tommy John and, and COVID wiped out his senior year of high school. So, no, that's, that's very concerning. Um, don't, you know, Dolanders, I thought he was, he was pretty good, better than his, what his numbers wound up being. They left him in a little too long, I thought. But yeah, but, you know, those two starters, you got, you know, I guess Chase Burns, you maybe, maybe they move him back into the rotation. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but no, it's, Concerning and, and the bullpen was was the big issue for me. Um, I think Philly brought that up. That was yeah. The, the bullpen was kind of shaky, really, for the first time all year. Um, whereas Kentucky's was really good, and those were the two best bullpens um, in the SEC. Um, and I, you know, Kentucky's was much better. I will, say, I will better.
0: say this, Phil, and I I, I agree with you uh, on the bullpen and on, on Beam. We did see. I, I hope they begin to use AJ Russell more. Uh, because he looks like uh, that he can contribute more than he's being allowed to contribute right now. Uh, and Halverson looked the best to me that he's looked uh, since very early in the season. Uh, but they did him no favors. Uh, they did, They left him out there too long and left him with a sour taste in his mouth that he shouldn't have had yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, Burns is about, you know,
13: he's about back to normal again.
0: Uh, Chase Burns. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He was, uh, you know, he looked just a little bit rusty on the first hitter or so, but after that, it looked like he was right back tuned in.
13: How'd y'all, uh, get to hear,
0: uh, uh, Buckeye Bob on the broadcast yesterday? Uh, I did feel, I, I watched, I listened to the early portions of the game and then watched uh, after the rain delay uh, on, on the streaming on ESPN Plus. Yes, I did. Well,
13: it's about time Danny White made some serious decisions on the direction of the Tennessee's uh,
0: play-by-play announcer. Yeah, I mean, i feel Phil. I I know no one could ever step in there after I grew up with John Ward and satisfy me, uh, uh, and. You know, I'm 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 not the biggest Bob fan either. Well, I tell you what, my my brochure, sure, uh, their their
13: bullpen is pretty bad too. Uh, if you don't have a closer, you just, you, it's hard to win in Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, you know, a gracious may get it back. Uh, um, men he's
13: a loser. He'll never get it back. They're about to make <laughs> some trades, man. <but>, you know. <laughs>
0: You, you sound uh, You sound like my my dad. He was a big Braves fan. We'd watch the first game of the year, and he'd say, "Same old Braves." He'd continue yeah, watching like, them. But, I mean, uh, he who, made a who I Toronto point. be nine and zero against the Braves the last
13: two years? That's that's a phenomenal statistic.
0: Toronto is what nine and zero against the Braves the last two years. Wow, that's unbelievable against this Braves team. That that yeah. it really is, it really is. Wow.
13: Uh, Guys, y'all hanging out, be listening, and uh, hope Tony gets back. Uh,
0: all right, congratulations to and congratulations, Anthony and his daughter. See ya. Hey, Jordan, the call. Appreciate it, Phil. 865 200 5402. We'll get you on just uh, as it got Phil on. Um, Matt, The uh, just what you, the, the bullpen was uh, uh, concerning this weekend. I thought uh, I thought our defensive play was much better, much more consistent, and I was happy that we didn't kind of implode uh, after uh, Lindsey's uh, boys' club play uh, in the, in the early portion of
12: the Friday game. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a, a little league I, I think all three airs this weekend were by each of the starting pitchers, so you didn't have anything in the field. Uh, I know Denton made a diving stop um, maybe maybe in the Saturday game. That, that was big. They, they kept some runs off the board. So, no, the, the defense was really solid, which was good to see. Um, but I think Blake Burke made a, made a nice play or two at first. Um, and that, but, I, obviously, they still have to get his back going um, for, for this team to do anything in the postseason, and it's just, it's just a struggle at the play right now for him, and that's, that's something I'm, that we can talk with Evan about. Later, just how, how you kind of let him work his way through that, because at, at, at some point you might just need to give him a day off, but it's almost too late in the year to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I thought, you know, i had seen some at-bats in the last couple of series, Matt, that made me think that maybe he was coming on, um, especially in the Mississippi State series, uh, but uh, it, it, it just hasn't taken hold. And like you said, I, I think probably earlier in the year, Maybe they could have moved him out of that third spot, uh, to just to relieve a little pressure on him. Um, and now you're the point. I'm, I'm not sure it makes any difference. Maybe you could do that a little bit at South Carolina and in the SEC tournament and see if it, uh, see if it kind of shakes him loose and then move him back up there in, in into, to
12: one of those top four spots. Yeah, and and with with Dickey out, if he's going to be out for you know multiple games, that that gives them a little bit of flexibility to where they could do that. So we'll, but we'll, you know, we'll we'll see there. You know, they've had a couple of guys kind of struggling at the plate the last last two weekends. That the, hopefully gets get that t- taken care of. So yeah, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't get uh, our
0: usual weekend out of Hunter. He he. He had kind of a hard luck weekend and uh, and didn't swing the bat the way that he's capable of. So, uh, Matt, is it uh, is it is it too simplistic to say that had Tennessee won yesterday, that maybe they could have kind of changed places with Kentucky in the pecking order for hosting, or is Kentucky's RPI and that type of thing just too high for? A one-game difference in the standings to matter.
12: Uh, well, I, th- I think if you had swept them, it, it probably would have would have mattered, and you probably would would be ahead of them and in those those rankings at the end. Um, but now that you know they're kind of tied, even though you won the series, Kentucky will definitely get the the leg up because I think la- last year. Um a lot of the hosting and, and some of the, the top eight stuff, it, it really came down to the the non conference strength of schedule was kind of the tiebreaker. And Tennessee's this year is I don't know how, but it's somehow even worse than last year's and, and just not very good. So if that's a factor again this year, Tennessee's not gonna not gonna be on the on the good end of that. Uh so I you know, I think you know, Chris Berg said sixteen league wins will is kind of the, the benchmark to host and that, that would require two out of three this weekend at, at South Carolina, who's kind of struggling right now. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll, we'll see, but I definitely think Kentucky will, will be ahead of Tennessee in that regard. Um, when, when the postseason or when the seeding come, comes around.
0: Well, I, I, I know we're, we've been disappointing on the road, obviously at two and 10 or whatever our record is on the road. And, uh, um, but, uh, Uh, I'm I'm still, yesterday's uh, loss was disappointing, uh, but uh, I I just never saw this team winning nine out of 12 starting the the second half of the SEC season, Uh, Matt. I I just never saw that coming. I didn't think this team had the the makeup or the moxie uh, to to
12: win uh, nine out of 12 in the second half. No, no, and, and to, to sweep Vanderbilt at home, um, I mean that, that Friday night game is kind of the key, the catalyst of all that that started that that winning streak, and that's that's the only game this team's come back late to win all year. Um, I, I think after yesterday, I, I believe it, they're one in fourteen when when trailing after seven, um, and, and thirty two and zero when when leading after six. So their games are pretty much have been decided, you know, by the middle innings all, all season. They've had very few, you know, really close, tight games all year. And that, that's kind of an interesting an interesting trend. Let me, I think that's more kind of league-wide as well.
1: Let me jump in here. You wanted the RPI, the latest RPI. You mentioned it just moments ago. Tennessee yes. is now number 23 in the latest college RPI. Kentucky is still number one. As a matter of fact, six of the top seven RPI teams are SEC are SEC. Kentucky is one. Wake Forest is two. The exception: South Carolina three. Arkansas four. LSU five. Florida six. Vanderbilt seven, and Alabama is eleventh in the RPI. Auburn is twentieth. So there's eight other SEC teams that have a higher RPI than the Vols. Well,
0: just uh, just speaks to to just how good uh, this league is. I I know I, <clears throat> I know this Tennessee team. Uh, pales in comparison uh, to last year's team. We'll probably never see another team like last year's team uh, that was kind of a uh, uh, made up of, of grizzled veterans, uh, partly uh, because of uh, the uh, pandemic and uh, partly because of just the loyalty to the program uh, that we're probably not going to see as much of going forward. Uh, but uh, the, I'm, I'm happy that Tennessee's gotten themselves back to the point uh, to where they're a tournament team, a postseason team. I'd love to see them host. I know it would be difficult for them on the road, but for this team to battle back and just be a postseason team uh, is, uh, has surprised me. Matt um, yesterday uh, left a lot of runners on base, but it was it was kind of strange in that most of our most of our traffic on the base pass, Came after two outs. We had we didn't really have an inning where we set ourselves up early in the inning to have a big inning.
12: No, no, it was all yeah. That's yeah, a really good point. A lot of a lot of two out, you know, kind of walk single or, yeah, you get two two on the two out and then just not not be able to move them. It's a season high uh, with guys left on base sixteen o for eleven at the plate with runners in scoring position, which. Was kind of the trend early in the season, and they, you know, kind of cleaned a lot of that up over the last month or so. But no, that was, yeah, that was that was that after that delay, um, you thought maybe that would actually help Tennessee, but you know, they just came out kind of the same energy. The you know crowd wasn't into it, so it, and then they just, I think Kentucky's reliever, the through four innings and threw over a hundred pitches and walked five guys and somehow didn't allow a run, which I don't know if I've ever seen that before. But it, took, it took their guy over a hundred pitches to get through four innings of relief, and Tennessee <laughs> somehow didn't score a run. That's just strange, just ridiculous. That guy
0: was out there and they were all congratulating him, and I mean he had kept Tennessee off the board. Give him credit, but, but I mean it, it it was it was anything. But a superlative effort. <laughs> it's, just, it's ugly. Eight six five two hundred five four zero two. We'll get you on here with us, and uh, we'd love to talk to you about Tennessee baseball. Uh, any uh, sports team or or, or sport that uh, you loved in, in your younger years that you've kind of turned away from, and why? Uh, anything else that's on your mind? We're we're here to talk to you. So uh, load up those lines, and, and we'll do that. Uh, Matt, uh, just uh, uh, you're you're a guy that's followed this team from the first pitch uh, uh, through this past series, uh, and will do so going forward. Um, a- as we close out the regular season here, give me give me something uh, that you're real comfortable with going forward, and uh, give me something uh, that kind of keeps you up at night as far as uh, what Tennessee's going to be able to do uh, both. Uh, uh, to close out the regular season and to begin the
12: postseason? Yeah. Um, still feel good about the pitching staff um, overall. Um, obviously, they're not dominant and nowhere close, close to last year, but they're still, you know, they were top three in most pitching categories nationally, um, at least going into the weekend. I i think is coming around and, you know, I think him and Lindsay at least give you a chance to win your first two games every weekend, which is key. And, you you know the the stuff on the road is is obviously going to be a big storyline going forward because they this team will play really just one more home game um, against Belmont, and then they'll have to go win on the road, which is something they just haven't been able to do all year. So I, I think that's probably the thing, and then obviously Jared Dickey's health um, is 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 a key factor going forward. So you just got gotta hope you get a couple of your bats you know get hot at the right time. About the only thing, Matt, that
0: I, I saw this weekend that I would kind of question is, and and maybe this is, um, maybe this is a little bit uh, overly critical here, uh, but I I really thought they should have gotten Halverson out of the game. Uh, at a time when he would feel really good about his outing maybe it doesn't maybe these kids are resilient enough to where it doesn't matter uh but i i personally believe it matters going forward that seth halverson felt good about his outing and they left him in there just long enough to where something could happen
12: to kind of soil that yeah i i i agree um uh, 72 pitches, I think, is what he threw by by far a, a season high. I, I will say, Vitello post game said that you know Howerson, you know, he was a starter at Missouri, and he's kind of joked with them all year about being, being a starter. Because of the the rain delay, he was able to warm up as as if he was starting. So I think that might have been intentional to leave him out there and maybe maybe stretch his arm a little bit and, and just see what he could do. Um, so maybe that is something that can, could benefit them in, in the postseason if you, you know, have to maybe have a spot start you know, coming out of a loser's bracket or something. Maybe, maybe he's a guy you can turn to, and maybe they, they kind of know what his pitch count limit is in, in that spot. But no, I, I do agree that I thought they left him out there way too long, but it sounded like, it, or at least Bartello made it, made it sound like it, that was kind of intentional postgame.
0: Sorry, Bridie, I was uh, got a little wordy there and uh, lost track of time. Uh, take us on out of here. Spread the word and get the app
14: at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones.
15: This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee.
1: Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked.
8: History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time.
5: This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
0: And we welcome you back, Tony Basilio show, Monday style. Tony B. Uh, uh, on the trek after seeing son Anthony graduate, and later this week, he'll see Kaylee become another in a long line of Basilio scholars to graduate from the University of Tennessee. So Once again, congratulations to all the graduates out there. Uh, Bridie Boy Hartman, Matt Dixon, Bino at your service, taking your calls, and uh, glad to do so, talking Tennessee baseball, talking uh, any uh, sports team or sport of your youth that you uh, intensely followed that you just threw back for whatever reason, like I I did the Celtics. So uh, only team I ever pulled for that I still don't today for whatever reason. I lost uh, I lost the passion for the Celtics. But, Brian, uh, before we go back to the phones, congratulations on your Celtics thumping of uh, Tony's 76ers uh, uh, yesterday to make the conference finals.
1: Yeah, and I can't say enough about how clutch Jason Tatum was in the end of game six and then just 51 points yesterday, and he's just been on another level. He is He is taking this game to uh, to heights that, I don't know, I think that's the first time anybody had, had, what, had scored 50 points in the Game 7. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I believe I read that's the highest total ever in a Game 7.
1: Yeah, the Celtics stars showed up. The 76ers stars did what they normally do in that situation. They disappeared.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, Brian, when I, late in in Game 6, when they're when the 76ers are eight points down there's still two minutes left and they miss a shot and the celtics get the rebound and harden uh... and the other big star uh... just kind of jogging back down the court like this game is over over just church league transition defense give up that just i've seen that defense i played that for central baptist 865 Let's get the rustic one in
18: here. Bino, how we doing? Hey,
0: doing good, Rust. Thanks for
18: calling, buddy. Yeah, well, no, always good to have you and Matt on the air, and congratulations to the Lucilio family with a big week. Um, Hey, guys, I was looking for some insight. With Mother's Day yesterday, unfortunately, I wasn't able to really watch a lot of the game. It was kind of following along on my phone and, curious if y'all picked up on anything of, of why drew beam is struggling because this is obviously two outings in a row you know down in athens and then yesterday where he's really gotten hit hard and i know the hook came a lot quicker yesterday and really reminiscent to his season last year unfortunately where he was pitching so well and then the calendar turned to may and he just didn't have it so I didn't know if you or Matt had picked up on anything or if on the broadcast yesterday they offered any, any insight to what may be going on with BAME.
0: Well, Matt, I'll come to you in just a second. Rustic, when I, uh, the only thing I can tell you, I, I, I know about as much about pitching as I know about nuclear physics, but uh, I, okay. I, I did listen to Vitello uh, at the, uh, at, uh, in the postgame. And his feeling is that this is nothing uh, that's physical. Uh, he, he feels like that the, the velocity is still where it needs to be. He just thinks that this is a, a, a blip where he's when he misses uh, one. He doesn't get ahead in the count as much as he, he does. He has generally. And he said his misses have been misses right at the middle of the plate. Matt, what what uh, what
12: do you want to add to that? Yeah, he's not getting in great great pitchers counts and and having to throw that fastball a lot. Which I mean, it, it's a mid nineties fastball, but that's not overpowering in today's game, even in college. And I, I I'm not I'm not sure his his slider working very well right now either. Um, but, but no, he he's putting way too way too many pitches. Are just kind of right down the middle, just catching a lot of the plate and, you know, hit, hitters in this league will just take advantage of that. And it's, it's just two really bad outings in a row. You, you hope that that you, know, he, you really hope he has something good at South Carolina.
18: Well, and Matt, that's going to segue into my kind of next question for both you guys. I'd just be curious for your own personal opinion, obviously not going to be yours or mine decision to make, but, how would you manage being going forward I mean I you roll him back out there against South Carolina and that's what is that kind of it if he gets hit hard again and you hope he bounces back or how would you guys play that
12: Matt um, see I, I, I it's really interesting because you're kind of getting to where you you're gonna have to try something you haven't done all year which I don't think you want to do in the postseason Um, I I don't like moving Burns back to the a starter role because he's kind of just now getting used to this this reliever role where he comes in and is you know hitting a hundred on on his first warm up pitch. So I, I don't want to see him kind of make that transition back. I I really think that might be why they they let Halverson treat yesterday as a start after that delay to to may, maybe see if they could get get something out of him as a starter. Um, but it's, I, I don't know, it, it, it's its really a, a tough spot because this, this happened to be last, last year as well, like like you said. So it's, I, you know, it's, I, and I don't think we've ever seen him out of the bullpen either. Where nope. a guy like Burns, kind of has some electric stuff that you, you can use him as more of a, a closer type role. Beam seems more like that consistent starter type to me, um, at least more effective in that role.
0: Uh, yeah, I think he, yeah. Matt kind of, I'm sorry, Matt, Matt kind of threw out what I was thinking was that the the best possibility, I think, if you're going to make that change, and I'm not saying they should, if you're going to, I think Halverson is probably a better option uh, than uh, than Chase, but, because I, I'm like Matt, I, I think Burns is settling in, and I think he's our best option to close games.
18: No, I'm with you guys 100%, and I would agree. And I was kind of thinking the same thing again, not being able to watch, but kind of following it on my phone, seeing how long they let Halvey go yesterday. Maybe that is kind of ramping him back up in the event he needs to be a spot starter. Um, and I guess Sewell's always there. I know he didn't quite have it Saturday, it seemed like, but um seems like there's some trust in him if a guy needs to go out, start, and try to give you three, four, five innings. Um Guys, I guess last kind of question I had and and look, I gotta preface it with I love Tony Valls. I hope he's here forever. Um, but I do think nobody's above criticism and, and to be fair, we saw it again, I thought, on Saturday, two weekends in a row, where and he just really loves to leave his starters out there. And I thought with Beam on Sunday in Athens he was getting hit hard and Tony left him out there and it turned a close ish game into a game blown wide open and then on, on this Saturday, I thought, you know, Dolander was about as good as we've seen him look in conference play. You know, he's getting right up there towards a hundred pitches. They have to call Woody out for the trainer, you know, and he, and he leaves him out there a couple batters longer and all of a sudden it's a tight game again. Just curious if y'all had any insight there. I, I mentioned it to a few friends and some agreed with me and some act like it's, it's blasphemy for, for me to even question any of Tony's decisions. But I, I think that's been a, a common theme with him over the past year plus.
0: Uh, I'm actually in your camp, Rustic, when I, I. My biggest question with both Tony and Frank Anderson is how long they leave people out there, especially when you've got what's considered a loaded bullpen. I, I, mm-hmm. I see no reason to leave a starter out there, especially this time. Earlier in the year, if you're wanting them to go through certain situations, I understand that a little bit. I don't understand it at this time of the year. I think it's a valid criticism.
12: Matt? No, I, I, I agree. They, they leave their starters in too long, more, more times than not, um, which is what makes the quick hook for Beam on Sunday kind of even more interesting. Um, now he wouldn't have lasted more than another inning anyway with the delay, but that was a very quick hook on Sunday with Beam. And we i know—I'm not, I'm not sure we've really seen that with the pitcher this year, or a starter this year. But no, I—I I agree. They had that—that that game one with with Ender, you know, his best start by far in league play. They—they uh, they left him in at least an inning two, or, or, or let him go back out for—I think it was the sixth. When I—I I just didn't think you needed to force that. Really good call, yeah, Rustic. we appreciate yeah, you, thanks, man. Yeah,
8: thanks, guys. Good,
0: Keep it up. Have a good week. 865 200 will get you on like the rustic one uh, coming right to you, Don. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say this. I don't ever question who they use. Uh, they, they know far more about uh, players' psyches and physical ailments and that. So I don't ever question who they use. But, I mean, it's an American pastime to question how long they use them or when they bring them in or that kind of thing. And uh, I'm not going to give that up. That's, that's too much fun to do. Now let's go to the phone and get Don in here. Hello, Don. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, we're doing good, Don. Thanks. Good to hear from you.
19: Hey, man, I tell you, um, and you may have already discussed it. I just got on. Um, the man I think, may, I think they need to go ahead and put in a rotation or I wouldn't care to see him replace somebody in a rotation. A.J. Russell's been the
0: best. Pitcher
19: we've had for
0: the last month. Yeah, Matt. He, he's he's a really solid pitcher. Uh, I don't know, uh, Matt. Have 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 they ever stretched him out enough to where you would consider him to to start?
12: Uh, um, not to start, no. Um, I, I think that's probably probably more in his future, though. But. No, no don's don's right he he's been their best their best reliever um for at least a month now and he's gotten a lot of a lo- a lot of spots in league games as well and in key like when games were still kind of you know oh. in in the middle innings and, and up for grabs he he's been he's been really really good and, and i think he's got some really good stuff um gets a ton of strikeouts i think he has their their highest strikeout rate at this point um, in, in the season, um, even in conference play, um, and overall. Well even even
19: yesterday when uh or Saturday, I can't remember which, when he came in, you know, first thing he did was like strike out the side or something like that. I mean, he just seems to have it. I don't know. Uh going back to yeah, you're, what you you're always...
0: Right, don't uh Botello commented uh he commented yesterday on the postgame just about uh his approach and how unfazed he is in just about every situation. So they they, they know what they have. And I I, I, I I'll agree with this. Uh, I I think they need to utilize him more than they have. Well, like yesterday he was smoking and then they had the rain delay,
19: so he couldn't come back out. And then it's like, No. <laughs> you know, Russell needs to be in here. Um it's amazing though when you watch a team score twenty runs in two games, ten runs, ten runs, and then get shut out. And yeah. it just it just blew my mind. And, and the the I knew just as soon as I found that Dickie wasn't in the lineup, I said, "Well, that's going to bite." <laughs> um, I mean, how many? I know when I got back into the game later, and i seen bases loaded, two out, and it, actually, I can't even blame. Uh, I think it was. Uh, our number two in the lineup, Ensley. Uh, I mean, somebody, anyhow, hit a smoker down, and that guy made a great play. Yeah. I mean, we had bases loaded there, and if he don't get that out, we probably got two runs in to kind of tighten it up a little bit. But uh I'm really, if, if, all of our hitters, batters, I'm more concerned with Blake Burke than anybody. Since conference started, he's done very little except in midweek. What do you think the problem no. is? Uh, I, I
0: I think it's the age-old problem uh, when you're a really good hitter and you struggle and you haven't had a whole lot of struggles leading up to that. Uh, it's, it's hard to know uh, how to combat it. And you go up there and you – you know, I know they put the, I, I know they put the, uh, the full season stats on the scoreboard, but uh, believe me, he knows that he's really struggling in SEC play, and you go mm-hmm. up there and you try to get two, two hits with one at bat. It's just, and even though there are a lot of games, uh, college baseball is a short period of time, uh, yep. so you, you can get in a funk and and get yourself in trouble and not feel like you have enough time to get out of it, and it's just hard to restart and say, okay, it doesn't matter that I'm hitting 220 From this point on, this is what I have to do. It's, it's hard right. not to carry those past failures.
19: Yeah, you know, if
0: you look at, um,
19: you know, his power and everything, you know, I, I even noticed early in the year, if they throw curveball or whatever down and in, He's going to strike out. Him and the Hanger both are going to strike out more often. They're going to get a hit. Is that what you deserve?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, this is a and, – and I'll let Matt comment on. Obviously, this is a team that's going to fare a whole lot better against power pitchers uh, than right. they are a, against uh, teams that are going to throw off-speed, a lot of off-speed and breaking balls. I think most teams are that way, but – you know, Tennessee's kind of a power-laden team uh, that's that's going to be more so that way. Matt, you, you kind of made the, when you and I talked over there on Friday, you talked about how you thought that Tennessee would, uh, it didn't work out this way, but you thought Tennessee would struggle more with their, the Kentucky second-day pitcher than their first day because of, of that type of approach.
12: Yeah, just, uh, just a lefty with off-speed stuff, but, you know, Don's right, it's, but Burt just chases way too many pitches in the dirt, just those off-speed, you know, change-ups, breaking balls. He just just, just doesn't lay off them. Um, and I, I think one of his probably biggest struggles is everybody knows how good of a hitter he is, and he's probably the most dangerous hitter in their lineup, um, e- even though I think Dickey's a better all-around hitter. I think Burke's probably the number one guy that opponents have circled or at least did throughout the year. So they 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 kind of target how they pitch him, and so he gets a lot of attention. So be, because of that he doesn't get great pitches to hit, and I think he has been expanding his zone some. Um, and then once you do that, and you just, just get off balance, and you know he he, he chases the off speed stuff in the in the dirt, and then that causes him to be late on on the fastballs, um, and it just all gets him in a funk and. You know, it, it's hard to come out of that in, in this league when you're facing really good pitching every weekend. There's just no, no let-up. We well, need to go on top of the
0: hour break. Uh, Got anything else for us? Okay. Well,
19: yeah, and I'll just make a comment and listen to you on the other end. And I might have missed this earlier. We we played the, the, the team that come in with 36 home runs for the whole season, and they're just jacking them out yesterday. Right, left, and sideways. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and earlier games, too, they got a few. I'm like, they're they playing probably a, hit 25% of their home runs for the season.
1: They're this playing way. in a park that's easy to hit, easier to hit home yeah, right. runs
0: in than their park, for yeah. one. Okay, bud. I'll let you go. Hey, we appreciate your call, Don. As usual, it's a good call. Uh, we're going to take our top-of-the-hour break. Got one hour left to the Tony Basilio Show, Monday edition.
18: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.
8: Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and Friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM.
3: Fast paced Health provides easy access to quality care close to home. The streets you live on are the streets we live on. We're part of the baseball games and main street parades. Your community is our community, and it's our mission to provide you with quick, convenient, and affordable healthcare. We're here for the injuries and illnesses, the preventative treatments, the
8: chronic conditions, and so much more. Fast paced Health, reserve your spot in line today. Fast Pace Health is now open at 600 South James M. Kimball Boulevard.
0: This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
10: It's time
11: for E.I. with E.R. presented by TLD Logistics. It's Tennessee baseball extra innings with Evan Russell, presented by TLD Logistics, online at tldlogistics.com. Well, Evan's had to play infield, outfield, and catch, and when you're a catcher, you basically are an expert pitching coach on top of knowing that position real well, and then a tremendous career as a hitter, so he's about as well-rounded of a guy as yeah, get he's really gonna i think have some insight on locker room or kind of looking out on the field and maybe picking up on the fact like man this guy wasn't nervous or this guy was nervous this guy didn't react very well to a bad call uh, if he'll be natural and authentic to who he is which is why he's so fun to be around on the air somebody's gonna have to give him some money to keep him around because he'll be phenomenal at it
0: now let's get in the game with evan russell and the team at tclub.team and we welcome everybody back. As you heard, this is a TLD Logistics Extra Innings with uh, Evan Russell, E-I with E-R. And uh, we're, as usual, thrilled to have uh, Evan along with us for the ride. Uh, Evan, uh, Tony B. is uh, on his way back from Philadelphia. He, he went up to watch son Anthony graduate from Penn University, Ivy League graduate. And uh, later this week, he'll see his daughter Kaylee graduate uh, from the university of tennessee with her engineering degree so huge week for the basilio family uh he's kicked you on down the curb and left you uh with the b team uh evan but
14: uh great to have you with us hey i wonder how much taylor swift he's listening to on the way to philadelphia and on the way back oh you know it was non-stop <laughs> you know it was non-stop
0: uh only because laura wouldn't let him listen to like uh, the Kennedy assassination podcast that he and I listen to when we go to Philadelphia, so I'd I'd say uh, Taylor Swift has has made her way in front of that one anyway. Uh, Evan, what what about uh, what your your thoughts on a, a disappointing day yesterday, but uh, another series win in a in a really good stretch run uh, for Tennessee baseball.
14: Disappointing day for sure, but they did set themselves up. Uh, to at least be in the tournament and, and at the end of the day that is all we ask for um any everyone has a has a chance everyone has an opportunity and i think they've set themselves up to at least be in it but now we will see if they can uh, jump start their success and potentially host all right evan if i put if put you in there at catcher with this team uh,
0: which which I, I would no no offense to anyone i would like to do but uh, if Going into the last series, uh, your what what are your uh, what what are your biggest concerns, and what do you feel really good about uh, the Tennessee baseball team right now?
14: Yeah, if I was the catcher of this team, um, I, I would real my my entire goal for this week and this upcoming week. It wouldn't even really be to focus on my average. Uh, wouldn't be focusing on uh, how my body is feeling. You know, it, everyone's going to be pretty pretty crushed late in the season due to fatigue and minor injuries uh, but the thing is if they if if we can get the starting pitchers comfortable and understanding that they have they have to really guide this team and they have the range to this team if a starting pitcher can give our our team a really just a solid start it doesn't even have to be a great start a solid start the amount of options we have in the bullpen can set ourselves up for an entire weekend and if andrew lindsey can start us off friday nights to giving us a a really good start and then chase under can come out um i I think that we just set ourselves up to be a really tough team to beat two out of three times
0: i I really felt good about lindsey and Dolander's starts um when when you look and you went through this last year catching him um what what do you think
14: drew beam is going through right now yeah, I think that he sort of he started off the year really hot last year, and his velo was up. Um, I think that he was throwing uh, around ninety four to ninety six throughout the beginning of the year, and it's a long season, man. Um, you know, a lot of people coming from high school or coming off of injuries, trying to throw a hundred innings potentially, um, and trying to have five, six, seven innings every week. Uh, it's very tough. And on top of that, they're trying to balance a class schedule, uh, trying to balance, uh, you know, weightlifting, getting stronger, continuing to get better throughout the season. So their bodies can potentially break down a little bit. And for Drew Bean last year, he was still a very good pitcher, but his stuff didn't it wasn't as sharp whenever his velo started to deplete throughout the year from 96 to around 92, 93. And he started off the year this year growing even harder than 96. He was around 97, 98 at times. So um, I I think that is where he's sort of having to adjust. Um, And as his velo goes down throughout the season, he's going to have to find ways of getting swings and misses. And last or yesterday, he kind of struggled with that. But I think that if he can make an adjustment, uh, he can improve um, with missing those barrels late in this season. Hey, Matt, throw
12: out a couple of pitches here to ER, and we'll go to Taylor. Yeah, um, Evan, I, I thought Halverson, and that might have been the best he's pitched all year yesterday. Um, and, you know, through went 70, 72 pitches. Um, Vitell kind of hinted around that they let him kind of treat that as a start, which is probably pretty valuable going forward. But what, what did you think of, of Halverson and, and how he's really done the last
14: couple of outings? It seems like he's really kind of starting to pitch his best ball. Oh, it's incredible. Um, I, I think if I'm a professional team and I see a guy that struggled a little bit at Missouri, didn't really have it figured out, but had the talent, gets to Tennessee, comes off of a big-time arm injury, but still gets his velo back up to triple digits, and then now he's starting to figure out the control and the command. Uh, it's incredible for what he's done to himself, but also what he's done to, to give the team the best chance of winning in the postseason. If you look at going into Hoover, the best teams that win in Hoover, it's not really the best hitting teams or the best defensive teams. It's the teams that have the most pitching depth because it's such a gauntlet. And I think that we have three dominant starters. I think we also have a dominant starter in Camden Sewell. And now we've just added uh, another one uh, with um, Seth Halverson. And on top of that, I forgot, we have a Chase Burns that could give us a really good start every now and then. So we have the depth to not only go into Hoover, but to win it and not really hurt ourselves going into a regional. And if we go into Hoover and we do really well um, going deep into the tournament, that's going to give us a really good shot of hosting um, if we win one or two games this weekend. So uh, the coaches definitely have a good idea of going into Hoover and having success. So having Seth Halverson come out and basically prove that he can start and start effectively uh, that's just going to give them uh, a lot more room for error when it comes to that tournament.
0: You're listening to, to the TLD Logistics Tennessee Baseball Extra Innings with Evan Russell. TLD is more than a trucking company. TLD Logistics does everything. Whatever your challenges relating to shipping, just call TLD and let them figure it out from there. Online, TLDlogistics.com. Owner-operator, if you're an owner-operator, we've got a spot for you on our team. Contact, contact TLD Logistics online at TLDLogistics.com. And they also have driver training classes forming now. Once again, that's TLDLogistics.com. Let's get Taylor in here. Hello, Taylor.
20: Uh, hey, Vito. Hey, Evan. Hey, Evan, got a question for you. Um, the issue um, where uh, where Dickey was on third base, I think there was a first and third no out. My contention is that he's coached to run on contacts. In other words, if the ball's on the ground, head for home, uh, make, force them to make a mistake and make a play. If, if, if what happens is they make the play and the catcher receives the ball, then I think he's taught to get in a rundown and then you allow runners to be on second and third with one out, which is essentially what would have happened if he'd stayed at third. But the difference is that aggressive uh, play calling or aggressive base running at least puts you in the position to potentially score. If either the ball gets through, they bobble it or they throw it away or they, boggle, they, box, they, they box up the, the rundown.
14: Is that accurate or was that a base running mistake? No, that is accurate. Uh, so Josh Elander, he, he's the base running coach. And, and what his intentions are in that process is he wants to have a system to where no matter what the situation is, uh, if he can, if he can give the sign to the base runners, uh, to basically tell everyone that we're on contact or we're wanting to see it through and freeze, um, this is a system to where everyone knows exactly what we're doing. So the communication is at a super high level. Um, so, you know, if you go back, I think three or four years ago, Ole Miss was in a super regional and it was a ball back to the pitcher and all you had to do was throw it home and get the force out and they would have, they would have turned a double play, but, he sailed it. And the reason he sailed it is because the, the, the runners were really aggressive and they were forcing him to be having to make a play. And even though it is college baseball, whenever the, the situations are high, emotions are high, especially pitchers on on PFPs and whenever the infield's in, um, mistakes can happen. So the whole point of what Josh Elander is wanting to do is he, he's wanting to put the team in a situation where if they do make a play, we're still able to be in scoring position. So if you know if they make a bad throw, Jared Dickey, he scores, and Josh Elander looks like a hero, and Jared Dickey looks like he knows what he's doing. But if he doesn't, to the common eye, um, it looks like that he was too aggressive. Uh, he should have just went back to the base, and he was probably a little reckless. But um, if he gets in a rundown right there, like you said, it gives the runners plenty of time to get over to second and third, and to sit there and and no harm is done. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to at least give us a chance and to make the play difficult without just giving out or giving up a free out.
20: Yeah, thank you. And that's, that's exactly what I thought. And and thanks for confirming because I've got some, some folks that are are steadfast in saying that there was a base running mistake and and absolutely that was not. Thanks for, thanks for explaining that Um, question for you. Why does Tennessee? I don't think they ever uh, have captains that they vote on. Is that just a Vitello philosophy? That there's not a, an official captain, or am I am I mistaken?
14: Yeah, I think that is sort of his philosophy. You know what? During while we're even practicing before the season even starts, uh, it never feels like even Coach Vitello is the head coach. Uh, it feels like it's more of a, a really unified group. And I think that's the way that he wants it to feel. And uh, going back even two months ago, um, Coach Vitello made remarks about how the freshmen had to hurry up and figure out that they are no longer freshmen. Um, and so I think that having a captain on your chest could potentially make it appear that some freshmen weren't ready to be a part of the group um, or some younger classmen weren't ready. So uh, I think that he wants to, to make it seem that everyone is involved and has the opportunity, no matter how old you are. Uh, you know, there's guys like Jerry Dickey, um, Chase Donder, those guys that have had success and they're earning that that credibility, uh, they don't necessarily need the C on their chest, in my opinion, and in Coach Vitello's opinion. So uh, I think that's his philosophy. And to me, being a freshman during the time under Coach Vitello, uh, it definitely helps to feel unified in every way possible.
20: Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, Evan. Last last question on the way out. And by the way, I'm, well, I'll, real quick, 1A is if you had to choose a captain based on what you've seen here today, who would you choose? I think you may have mentioned I, I would choose Dickey, and then I would argue that Christian Scott has played his way and earned a role of a captain as well. Those would be my two captains if I had a choice.
14: Yeah, I think that Jared Dickey uh, would be my my captain. Um, I, I think that he is your most important player. I think he's your most diversified player, uh, especially in the lineup. Um, I think that I think Maui has sort of started to play better. And I think that's only going to help the team play better just because of his position. I think you always have to have a shortstop that is a leader in some way. Um, I think Christian Scott is uh, he's definitely got the experience for the team. Uh, he handles his business, and he earned his spot. So that's always uh, something that makes it very easy uh, for players to respect and for teammates to respect. Um, but I would also throw in Hunter Ensley. I, I think Hunter Ensley plays harder than anyone on the team um, when it comes to wanting to get the job done and wanting to basically fight for everything. Um, so I, I think that the more that Hunter Inslee plays, especially in the next year, and potentially the year after, I think that he'll, we'll start seeing him be more of the leader, um, the non-vocal style leader on the team.
20: Yeah, well said. He's been a surprise and just been a stud this year. Umpire relations, Evan, uh, it's my contention. I see way too much chirping on, on third strikes and arguing players arguing with the umpire. Uh, How, how are you taught? How does Vitello teach that? Is, is that just free for all? And, you know, just knowing where not to cross the line. I don't want to say free for all, but you know, just telling the players not to cross the line. It just seems like that backfires on us too much. And I mean, when we, I, I give two examples: the called third strike, we chirp. In my opinion, some players do too much. And the other is assuming the the base on balls and throwing the bat down and running towards towards first. I always say that expands the strike zone by about a foot. What, what's your take on that? And and how are y'all taught in terms of? I just kind of call it umpire relations. Because I'm a believer, in if you argue too much, you know they may actually keep a bias against you, and you may not get the call. But what's your what's your
14: take? Yeah. Hey, I, I you. never, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, AR. I never, I never really saw any success come from chirping to the umpire. I, I myself got emotional at times and said something. Um, it, it's really difficult, especially before the automated strike zone came out. The the umpires were really at times trying to get the games over, in my opinion. So, um, you know, they, they have a job to do, but we also had a job to do as well as players and trying to find a way in the lineup. So there were times where the chirping was um, was needed, um, especially trying to hold the umpires accountable. But nowadays, the the automated strike zone has completely changed the game, in my opinion. The, the umpires are much better. They now have to file a report to uh their their higher ups their supervisors so if they're not doing a good job when it comes to calling balls and strikes then they're going to be held accountable with the postseason um how how many games they get going forward and basically their job so i I think that accountability has definitely changed the game Um, when it comes to getting strikes i I don't think are getting an advantage with chirping i don't think that is um the case at all i think you're right i think that you know, you gotta, you got to take into account the human nature of everyone. An umpire, if he doesn't like you, he's not going to really feel uh, inclined to want to help out in any way on those borderline pitches. Um, and on top of that, if a hitter is worried, or if the player in general is worried about something besides competing, and if he is getting emotional with what the opposing team's doing, with what the umpire is doing, with what... You know, the scoreboard says what is average to anything. anything. Uh, if he's not focused on the task at hand and that is competing at a high level, uh, he's going to have a disadvantage and it's going to show up. So, um, you know, that that's what always my advice was to my teammates. My advice to myself was to try to eliminate the emotions for the umpire and try to control what you can control. And at the end of the day, um, you know, you can that's all you can do so.
0: Taylor, we appreciate the call. Uh, like Taylor, you can get on the Tennessee Baseball Extra Innings with Evan Russell, brought to you by TLD Logistics. Just give us a call, 865-200-5402. I'd uh, love to get some more caller involvement uh, with, uh, with ER here. Uh, Brian, you had uh, something you wanted to throw out?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to mention that the Tennessee softball team, the Lady Vols, will host a regional and potentially a super regional, and they will start – they will start on Friday. Their first game is at 5.30 against Northern Kentucky at, at Sherry Parker Lee Stadium. And the other two teams in their regional are Indiana and Louisville. And those two teams will play, I believe, at 3 o'clock. So that will be the first game, the Lady Vols and Northern Kentucky at 5.30. And I believe the winners of the those two games will play on Saturday at 1 o'clock. So, congratulations to them. They are the number four overall national seed, and should they get out of this regional, they could possibly host Texas in a in a super regional the following weekend.
0: Yeah, congratulations. That's quite the season um, uh, for Karen Weekly and the Tennessee baseball, uh, Tennessee softball program, uh, and a, uh, a a really nice, uh, really nice bounce back. Uh, and they're SEC back, champs uh, that... in a in a position. Uh, that uh, we were accustomed to uh, early on in in their tenure. Evan, just uh, one, kind more, of one more one more thing, on Bino. That.
1: One more thing: they're SEC champs, regular season and tournament, which is the first time they've ever accomplished that. I should mention that really quick. Yeah, that's just fast like fast. Evan, just fast. like Evan was last year in his team.
0: Evan, I know you play at the same time. Uh, basically, uh, is there uh, is there m- mutual? Uh, support and admiration between the baseball and the softball programs there pretty good pretty good relationship
14: yeah 100 percent. there was always definitely a mutual respect um even in the off season we were always practicing on the indoor uh in the indoor football facilities and we would uh basically be practice practicing together um we would put a, a screen in the middle of the football field and they'd have one side we'd have the other and you know they were getting after it so um, any success coming their way is well deserved.
0: Evan, I was uh, I, I was pleased with Tennessee's defensive effort over the weekend. Uh, you know, not I, I mean they had the they had the boys' club play when Andrew Lolly popped one over there and and let a run score and let another one get into scoring position, and yet it it, it they they did not let that implode into something that was truly game changing, and I. I really thought that Denton's dive and play in the eighth inning on Saturday uh, was the difference between winning and losing that
14: series. 100%. I, I thought that was, like you said, a series-changing uh, play, um, and, and good for him for coming out. Yeah, I, I know that um, he, he's had a little struggles at times defensively, but uh, when it when it comes down to it, he's a gamer, and he, he knows how to play the game, and um, he, he gets after it, and he, he makes some clutch plays, so... Um, I, I thought that was fantastic. I also thought that Cal Stark uh, did a tremendous job trying to hold a running game uh, and trying to control a running game. That that was not an easy task, and, and I thought he did really well, and, and that's going to only help us later in the postseason.
0: One thing we definitely have to do going forward, I, I believe, to have the type of success we want to have, Evan, is is to, to get Blake, going swinging the bat the way he's capable of let's talk a little bit about his struggles and 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 maybe what what can bring him out of it
14: yeah i think that you know he definitely he, he looks like he's up there and he wants to get it done um you know he's not scared he's he's definitely um trying to at times do a little too much it seems like um and we mentioned it last week when we were talking about i think that he needs to try to see more pitches, try to get more comfortable, try to get his timing down. He looks a little off with trying to cheat uh, the inside pitches at times or uh, trying to force the ball the other way whenever he's got the uh, the shifts on him. And it's definitely causing his approach to be inconsistent. And, and I think that if he gets back to playing his game and focusing on the little things, being on time, keeping his approach – Uh, and just trying to uh, put the bat on the ball because if he's consistently barreling barreling up the ball, he's going to leave the yard, and it's going to leave the yard at a high exit velocity. So, um, you know, hopefully he can get that under control and get back to who he is.
8: Spread the
1: word
18: and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones.
4: Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram thanks St. Jude Children's Hospital for their admirable work. We are committing to their cause of providing quality care to families in need at no cost to them by donating $150 for every new vehicle sold. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is proud to partner with St. Jude for the fourth consecutive year. If you are currently in the market for a new vehicle, visit the team in store or shop online at Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia.net to help families protect what matters most. You can count on us.
1: Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked.
8: History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time.
15: This is T. Willy. I have got our good friend, Mr. Miles Johnson, on the phone from Foodland. Miles, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Now every week you have some amazing, amazing uh, deals, and they always uh, usually run through till next Tuesday. So, what do you got for us this week? We have the weekly sale, which has whole ribeye for five ninety nine a pound, turnip for collard greens ninety nine cents a bunch, and Coca Cola twenty four packs ten ninety nine. Wow, that's pretty good. And as always, Miles, uh, you're located right there at four twenty seven West Seventh Street. Open seven days a week, of course seven a.m. till nine p.m. And we appreciate. Appreciate you letting us know every week what's going on. And uh, you got a great store, great staff, and we look forward to visiting with you again next week. So you have a great night, a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Again, that's Miles Johnson, Foodland, right there, 427 West 7th Street. And they're open seven days a week, 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. Make sure you check them out.
9: The NASCAR Cup Series. Willie B. William Byron on the
11: inside to his outside. That's
9: Kyle Larson makes its long-awaited return. He's going to try to stay on the bottom, and they may have made contact. To North Wilkesboro Speedway. Whoa! Hamlin gets into Larson. Larson's in the fence. Hamlin will make the move. Larson will regroup. Denny Hamlin takes the lead. It's the NASCAR All-Star Race.
8: 4 p.m. Sunday, May 21st, on WKOM 101.7 FM.
10: This is Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I'm in Woodland Park here in downtown Columbia, Tennessee. I'm talking with Sergeant Brian Goats of the Columbia Police Department. He and other law enforcement officers are setting up a display in memory of fallen law enforcement officers. Tomorrow or this week is Fallen Law Enforcement Officers Day. There will be a commemoration for fallen officers tomorrow night. Sergeant Goats, first of all, what's going on here in Woodland Park today? Yeah, so we're going ahead
12: and we're kind of setting up, pre- preparing early before the event, kind of getting our um, our stuff ready, putting out lights, those kind of things for the event tomorrow. Oh, so these lights and
10: things y'all are working with now will be displayed tomorrow evening at the event?
12: Uh, yes, sir. Our memorial service will be at Pleasant Heights Baptist Church tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and then it concludes here at Woodland Park at the shelter.
10: Wow, that's fantastic. What a beautiful setting for, for uh, law enforcement officers. I remember one time in preparation for this event. Y'all were playing taps out here and it was very moving. Uh, Give me the lowdown on what's going to happen tomorrow
12: evening. Again, it's a program to remember all the fallen officers associated with Murray County and across the nation. Um, we do all those kind of ceremonial things, playing taps, like you said. Uh, we'll have a bagpipe player uh, here. We'll do 21 guns, salute, all those kind of
19: things.
10: And so the event will start at the Baptist Church and then come here to conclude, correct? Yes, sir. Pleasant Heights Baptist Church on Trotwood Avenue, 7 o'clock, and then conclude at Woodland Park. And, of course, this is free and open to the public. Yes, sir. The more the merrier. So. There we go. Great, great effort. A solemn occasion, but a wonderful occasion. Again, Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio, here at Woodland Park, where Sergeant Brian Goats uh, and others are preparing for the commemoration for the fallen law enforcement officers, which will take place at? Pleasant Heights Baptist Church at 7 o'clock. Which will take place at the Pleasant Heights Baptist Church at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. That's Tuesday. Uh, come out. It's free, open to the public. Uh, Sergeant Goats, thanks for what you're doing here. Yes, sir. Glad to do it.
5: Thank you. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
0: And we we'll welcome you back. Tony Basilio's show, Monday style, sans Tony Basilio. Uh, the show's namesake is uh, uh, watching uh, on his way back from seeing son Anthony graduate uh, from, from Penn. Congratulations, Anthony. Congratulations, Tony and Laura, and uh, that's just the beginning this week, so uh, uh, more more, to, more to come. 865 402 that will get you on. The TLD Logistics Tennessee Baseball Extra Innings featuring Evan Russell, brought to you by TLD Logistics. We're so pleased to have Evan with us this year. He's been a fantastic addition. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to keep him. I think he's probably headed on to bigger and better things like uh, Jared Dickey will likely be after this baseball season, but, uh, uh, we're, we're blessed to have him winning, have us with him, have us, have him with us. Easy for me to say, uh, for, for this season. So, uh, let's go the phones and, uh, get W. Lynn in here. W. Lynn, you're on with Evan Russell. How are my friends and compatriots doing today? We're doing good, W. Lynn. Thanks for the call. I would like
11: to encourage everybody to, uh, Uh, go out tomorrow night, if they can, to the Belmont game because they're going to have some senior uh, festivities, senior night uh, deal. And these guys deserve uh, one more home game with uh, a lot of people there cheering them on. And uh, was that important to you, Evan, that they had senior night festivities?
14: Yeah, I I really – it was almost bittersweet for me. Um, Probably the hardest thing I've ever done besides – going to my granddad's funeral was cleaning out my locker at tennessee um you know just just having pouring your heart your, your sweat all everything you have into to something for five years and for it to come to an end like that and basically have one more day on the field uh, it's really bittersweet and and all these guys that are um, getting to celebrate that they deserve everything because uh, it's pretty difficult and they've accomplished a lot just by being able to be out on the field, but also get a degree. So um, it's a really special moment for sure. And the other thing, I think you might have touched on this earlier,
11: uh, I'm hoping we can at least go 2-2 and these last four games and win two or three in Hoover. Do you think that will get us a host of a regional?
14: Yeah, I think that if they win one, this weekend they have to they have to make a really deep run in hoover um i think that if they win two if they get take two out of three and they they do pretty decent um in hoover if they win a couple games uh i I think that they have a chance of hosting i think if they sweep on the road this weekend i think it's an automatic lock um for hosting so uh, they have a lot of work to do they have they have it cut out for them have it cut out for them uh, but they have the talent to do it so Um, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to performing on the field and and getting it done.
1: If they had been a little better against Georgia and Missouri, they'd be a lock, maybe even in line to host a Super Regional.
14: Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to look back to that Missouri weekend and really scratch your head and say that we we missed out on opportunities there whenever um, we should have taken advantage.
11: Well, I would like to tell the sec schedulers even when we get oklahoma and texas in the first two weekends probably ought to be at the seven or eight most southern schools and then people like tennessee we would get the last two weekends up here i'm doing that i'm saying that for weather purposes i don't know how hard that would be but i think the first two weekends ought to be at the southernmost schools (laughs) does that make
15: sense
14: Yeah, I can agree with that. Just because, I mean, the committee is looking for the teams that they think are the best ones, or they've they've proven that they're going to be the best teams in the postseason. And if you look at it, I know that, you know, we should have played a little tougher. Um, We should have still took care of business because it's baseball at the end of the day. But um, you're looking at the teams that have the ability to win Omaha and and win late in the postseason, so... Um, you know, you, you don't play in June in 35-degree weather, and, and it feels like 25. You know, so I, I can completely agree with you. Of course, I think being 9 I and everybody, we've discussed this before, I think
11: baseball season ought to start about March, first week into March. I don't see this starting in February, but I'm not in control of that either. Uh, Evan, it's been a joy to talk to you, and uh, the time you were on the porch, that, that was just a wonderful experience. Uh, for me, because uh, you were my favorite player the last two or three years you were there, and uh, whatever you do, I, I hope you have time to maybe come back and uh, be Evan Russell on this on this show, uh, you know, in the future.
13: So uh,
14: I just wish you well, and I hope we see you around a lot more. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's been awesome.
0: Evan, you should have missed it job. up over there on Senior Day. You and Best Kobe are the only ones that spent more time on that
14: campus than I did. <laughs> you I mean, know, it probably, it probably came to a fault on how much time I spent on there. But, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs>
0: you weren't awesome. searching that coveted PE uh, uh, diploma that I was. 865 That'll get you on with Evan Russell. Matt, jump in here and throw a couple more BP fastballs at uh, ER here.
12: Yeah, just going back to the stuff about the umpires, um, and I I do think all that that chirping doesn't help Tennessee at all. Um, But I I also think a lot of that probably comes, you know, players are just kind of following the lead of the coaches with with Vitello and Frank kind of being a little hot. But Evan, can you just kind of go through what what a Frank Anderson mound visit's like? Because it seems like at times he takes mound visits just so he can get a word or two in with an umpire. And he comes out there, and he doesn't even talk to the pitcher. He just kind of talks to all you guys. But what's a Frank Anderson, like a typical mound visit like
14: for him? Man, I've probably heard (laughs) no telling how much from Frank Frank Anderson on a mound visit that my past year playing. Um, Yeah, like you said, he doesn't really say much to the pitchers. Um, There's been times where he hasn't said anything to anyone. He just went out there just to talk to the umpire and to talk about a rule and talk about how how wrong the umpire was and you know um i, I don't know how much how much beneficial that had on the team but it, it was it was quite comical for the people listening um but I, I think that his strategy was to go out there and um to basically make it make it seem like th- there were other people around the pitcher um for example he, he wouldn't go out there and be like hey man you're, you need to throw strikes you need to get on your backside more, you need to make an adjustment with your release point. It, it would never do that. And the fault the that you have in doing that is you, some pitchers, they start thinking more and they start thinking more mechanically opposed to uh, competing at a high level. And, and whenever you're trying to compete against your mechanics, uh, you're, you're not, you're not competing against the opponent and the opponent is competing against you. So you're going to be at a disadvantage um, mentally, uh, mainly mentally when it comes to that. Um, so he would go out there and he would basically talk to the infielders, talk to the catchers and to, to tell them what the game plan was. And my, from my experience, I think that that relaxed the pitchers. I think the pitchers would understand that everyone else has a job too. They're not up there alone. So whenever Frank is talking to them about their game plans, it sort of simplifies what the pitcher is going through. And uh, I think that he's always had success that way, and I, I think it's a great strategy to, for anyone to implement if they ever have mound visits.
0: you listen to TLD Logistics, Tennessee Baseball Extra Innings, featuring Evan Russell, uh, presented by TLD Logistics. TLD's more than just a trucking company. TLD Logistics does everything, whatever your challenges relating to shipping, just call TLD and let them figure it out from there. Online at TLDlogistics.com. Owner Operator, if you're an owner operator, we've got a spot for you on our team. Contact TLD Logistics at Tldlogistics.com. And they do have driver training classes forming now. That's Tldlogistics.com. And we greatly appreciate their sponsorship uh, of Evan Russell here on Mondays. As I said, it's been a blessing to have him on. Uh ER, it, it, you play a lot of baseball in a short period of time in a college baseball season. A whole lot of it played uh, during weather that's not real conducive to getting loose and to protecting yourself. Uh, is there any way that you change your preparation as the season goes along? You get late in the season here. Is there anything you're doing differently uh, to kind uh,
14: of protect
0: your body a little bit?
14: Yeah, I, I was, I was a big guy on sleep, um, making sure I got plenty of sleep. You know, it's pretty difficult whenever you're going through finals and stuff, but uh, now that the students are, or the student athletes are starting to finish up their school, uh, they can really hammer down the recovery. So I, I would be, I was a big time on ice baths, ice, hot coat tubs. Um, you know, after doing a lot of research on the recovery, it felt like, um, the blood flow getting into my legs really helps. Um, feeling good the next day Um, but a substantial amount of sleep is really a big factor and if you don't get enough of it uh, it it could really start you know to to have a wear and tear on your body especially throughout a tough season like this
0: hey evan i'm kind of big on when guys are struggling a little bit that you find a way to kind of help them through that and I'm, I'm probably being overly critical here, but yesterday uh, with with Halverson, uh, he had thrown really well, uh, and I felt like they could have got him. Uh, and I, I know I'm I'm being a Monday morning quarterback here, but I, I felt like that he had done enough, and in that situation, I felt like maybe they could have got him out just a little bit earlier where he didn't give up that final home run and he'd have a little better feeling going forward now you know more about the resiliency of this pitching staff is that going to matter at all to Halverson uh or or would would you have taken him out a little bit earlier
14: yeah I I probably you know it's like you said it's easier to say it now um than it was in the moment I, I think that I think Frank and Tony, they do a great job of trying to figure out who to bring in. I think that, you know, there's no better people to do it. They've always done it pretty well, in my opinion. But I would have probably tried to get him out in that moment just because the fact that he did throw so well. And we did have plenty of arms in the bullpen. But I'm a firm believer that pitchers, they're super talented, but you have to almost – Um, boost their confidence to keep them up Um, and you know that sounds crazy but you you have six days in between how many you're you're throwing you have six days to basically either have good thoughts or either have bad thoughts and you know the natural human brain is to always have negative thoughts no matter you know how good you are so um, you know now he's probably going to have six days of um, just thinking about that last home run he gave up and, and, you know, anytime that there's extra added anxiety for an athlete um, that can be stressful with their bodies. It can be stressful on their arm. Um, so, you know, if they could have found a way to get him out, that, that definitely would have been beneficial.
0: I I, I will say this. I, I think the hardest thing to do from a management baseball standpoint is determine when to take a guy out, or when to extend him. I think that's the most difficult decision that's made in baseball, and it's the easiest thing to kind of second guess and criticize. Uh, but uh, I, I said earlier in the show, uh, I'll never question who they use uh, because I don't have. I, I mean, I, I don't have the knowledge to determine that. So they they know better about who's ready, who's not, who's hurt, who's not. I'll never question that, but. I also never give up my right to question how long they use them or how they use them because that's just really a big part of the fun of being a baseball fan.
14: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and everyone, you know, everyone's entitled to an opinion, you know, um, and, and who's to say that who's w- would be correct. Um, that's, the, that's the thing that makes it so difficult is that we'll never know. Um, but, you know, it is nice to have the Im- amount of options that they do have.
0: You know, that's that's my biggest that's my biggest fear or or biggest drawback with uh, going to roll ump's is I just think that takes part of the game away for a fan to stand there and holler at the umpire the whole time. I mean, that's just that's part of
14: it. Right. Yeah. You always got to have somebody else to blame, man. It it can never be us. It can never be our fault. You know, (laughs) you know, I I can't holler it.
0: R two D two down there telling punch a hole in that mask. He's missing a good game or anything like
12: that. Matt, where you got? Just you know, obviously Blake Burke's kind of just been struggling here recently, and, and really just an SEC play overall. How how do you just kind of knowing him and knowing the coaches? How how do they approach him? You know, kind of in practice or or in the cages to to try to get him out of this funk because. I, I see a lot of parallels kind of with, with Jordan Beck last year. He just kind of like, – he was the only guy who didn't have, like, a career year. Um, and they, you know, just kind of left him in, in the same spot in the lineup and obviously di- different circumstances. But um, just how do you think the coaches are, are approaching Burke and trying to get him – keep his confidence and keep him, you know, ready to go? Because all it takes is one swing for him to be right back you know, hitting like like we all know he's capable of?
14: Yeah, I think that first, I think mechanically, he's got to get back to his direction being middle of the field. Um, I said earlier that, you know, he probably tries a little too much to place the ball whenever they do the shift at times, um, trying to get easy hits. But um, even if he is a professional hitter and he's a really good hitter, really talented, It's still difficult whenever someone's throwing mid-90s to direct the ball where you want it to go Um, because he gets in practice, and whenever you get in practice, your approach is usually to hit the middle of the field or to be on time with the baseball consistently. Uh, You never really work on trying to hit a little easy ground ball to the opposite field, so um, that could be an instance where he's getting in the game, seeing an easy hit, and trying to do that even though he never practices, and it makes it difficult. Um, Another thing is he is in a very tough situation coming off of a household name season that he had last year, Um, you know, hitting 14 home runs and less than 100 at-bats. Basically, the entire country knows about him. Um, They do scouting reports on him at a high level. Pitchers pitchers and pitching coaches are treating him differently than I ever even experienced um, just because he's so talented. And he's got so much um, potential that, you know, no one wants to let Blake Burke beat them. And he's batting in the middle of the order. Um, he's usually got runners on base. He's got a lot of pressure. And he's probably putting pre- a lot of pressure on himself. So um, he's coming He's coming off of that big freshman season, and it's made it very difficult on him. But I think it's going to really help him in the long run because now he's going to have to get into the offseason season and really focus on how these pitchers are pitching him and make the adjustments for, you know, the season coming up.
0: 865 Got about eight minutes left in the show. Let's get Freddie in here. Hello, Freddie. What do you say, man? Hey, Freddie.
19: i uh, really enjoying the talk today. Uh, Evan, really, really, really appreciate you for leaving the – green pastors of the outfield and putting on the tools of ignorance there the last year, that's, that's worthy of something better than this show, y'all, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What do you think our chances are of winning two in South Carolina, Evan?
14: Yeah, um, uh, I've done a little research on uh, a matchup um you know south carolina they've got some pretty talented players they can leave the yard um you know it's going to be it's going to be a struggle trying to swing it with them um i think that we have the advantage uh with the pitching staff i think that we can out hit them i think it's going to be a really struggle if we don't have jared dickey this weekend i haven't really heard anything on him um hopefully it's still a day-to-day thing um I, i think that if we play defense uh, I think that's been the biggest thing of playing on the road is that we we haven't played consistent enough defense to continue putting ourselves in good situations late in the games. Um, and, and South Carolina has the firepower to really expose us if we give them multiple chances. So um, I, I think that if we, you know, pitch the contact but also play at a high level defensively, I, I think that we have a chance to go in there and, and shake some feathers up from the game gamecocks for sure.
19: Well, the reason I asked you is, uh, if we win two out of three down there this weekend, and this is hard for me to really believe, but that will make us 11 and four in the last half of the SEC season. Our team last year went 11 and four the last half. And that just seems impossible to me because I don't hardly ever remember last year's team losing. So, uh, <laughs> But I think that says, that says there's some hope with this team. And if our starters were to get on just a little roll, and if Burke was to get hot, we could do a lot of damage in this tournament. The one thing that is a little concerning to me is we're an emotional ball team. That's why we play so well at home, plus we're geared to... The dimension of our, of Lindsey Nelson, but we play with a lot of emotion, and emotion can carry you at home, but it can't carry you on the road. You got to have grinders to win road games. Got to have guys like that Notre Dame team that came in here. Uh, have we got enough grinders to go on the road and win?
14: Yeah, that, I mean that's a great question, and the the points you brought up are exactly um, they 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 follow the exact trend that I picked up on five years uh, of playing college baseball. Yeah, you know, I mean the emotions do not work on the road, like you said. You got to be a grinder. Um, you have to come in, and, and that Notre Dame team probably did it at the best best way that I, I've seen a team over my, over five years of playing. Um, for example, the first guy that was that was hitting off of um, off their team, whenever Blade Tedwell was playing, um, he looks he looked to the dugout in the middle of the at bat and was basically telling the team what Blades pitches were looking like. And I'd never seen a, a a a team or a person do that. But what he was doing is he was giving them a full scouting report. Um, so they were basically going to be prepared coming into the game or coming into their bat. And, you know, they were so locked in and, and they were grinding at such a high level that uh, they just wouldn't go away. And, and that's how that's how they had success against us. Um, now, do you have to be you have to do all that to be a grinding team and went on the road? No, um, I, I think that they have the tools to do it. I think that they can do it, um, but they have to prove it. And they have to prove it to themselves. And they have to prove it without being emotional, like you said. If they if they try to be emotional, and if they try to fight the umpires in any way, then then they're not they're not going to be playing at the highest level that they can. And if you're not doing that on the road, then you're not going to win.
19: Well, I, one thing for Burke, I, the shift has hurt him a little bit this year. I I'd like to see the shift go away in college ball, just like in in uh, MLB. But guys, I really appreciate all of you. This is—I'm a baseball fan. It don't get no better
0: than what y'all are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Freddie. Really appreciate the call, uh, Evan. I don't know if you have a brother or not, but if you do, don't ever let him call in and publicly evaluate the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> 8-6-5-205. Well, we're not going to take another caller. We just got a couple minutes left, uh, Evan. Just uh, throw out the last pitch for us today. And as usual, we 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 can't thank you enough for your time.
14: Yeah, I mean I appreciate y'all letting me get on another week. Um, you know, y'all you, you keep allowing me to do it, so apparently it's not going too bad. Um, but right, I, I think that I think that we have a really good opportunity um, at late in the season. You know, I, I was kind of hesitant middle of the, the SEC play um, based on you know how they were going to do, and um, it, it was it was almost like that bandwagon was was getting a little light, but. Um, you know the, the main key is getting in the tournament and having a chance. Now we're just playing with house money. If they can find a way to host, that's only going to you know build them up throughout the rest of the year, rest of the postseason but they do have a chance of, of winning the national championship. And that's all you can ask for.
0: Folks, we appreciate all the callers and all the listeners. Thanks to TLD Logistics for making it possible for uh, uh, Evan to be on here with us each Monday.
7: Thanks to Matt Dixon, Brian Hartman. Congratulations to all the graduates out there.